0: What's up, everybody? This is Paula Phelps, and you are listening to On a Positive Note, where I sit down with a songwriter, recording artist, or music insider to learn more about how music can lift our spirits and heal our hearts. October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month, and that made it the perfect time to sit down with Kathy Fink and Marcy Marxer, best known as the Grammy winning duo Kathy and Marcy. They have been entertaining audiences for more than 40 years, and when Marcy received a breast cancer diagnosis, they faced it the same way they have faced all of life's challenges, side by side and with music and humor. The result is a comedic musical called All Wigged Out, which has been made into a film and details Marcy's journey with breast cancer. They sat down with me to talk about how they transformed this health challenge into a musical story of hope and healing to share with the world. Let's take a listen. Kathy and Marcy, it is such an honor to have you here on A Positive Note.
1: Thank you. Great to talk with you again. This is Uh, a wonderful podcast. Why, thank you so
0: much. Thank you so much. And it's because of artists like you who are doing incredible things that, that it's really, there's so much to share with people. And that really excites me. There's a lot that we could talk about with the two of you because you've been making music on so many levels for more than 40 years. And there's kids music, there's Americana. How do you categorize your music? Because I've nobody else seems to be able to do that.
1: We don't do it well. So <laughs> if we're really pressed to say, what do you do? We'll just say eclectic American roots. We That's like, about the best. We, we play everything we like.
0: <laughs> I love it. And you, ha- you like a lot of things. Yes,
1: we do. <laughs> How did you find music as your calling? Music as a calling. What a great question. I was drawn into music from the time I was a very young child. I think music called me. That's what I'm going to say. My first musical memories are getting my mom to accompany me on the piano while I sang my favorite songs at the age of three years old, which were Beautiful Dreamer and little brown jug. Long story short, I joined every chorus I could be in. I was in every choir I could be in. I loved to sing. I learned to play guitar when I was 12. And I would say that music really called me and that I answered the call. I was drawn to music because of my family,
2: really. I was exposed to music at a really young age. My grandmother played piano and hammer dulcimer. Her mom played the fiddle, and I remember her mother, my great-grandmother, but I don't remember her playing. I don't have any any re- recollection of that. But my mom and two of her sisters had a jazz trio that worked around Detroit. And also my mom was a big Ray Charles fan and Motown fan. And also we would go to civil rights marches. And churches in Detroit where where the music would just keep people marching down the street and give people strength. So I think it's just been a part of my soul since I was tiny. My my uncle, Jack Markser, gave me a little guitar when I was a toddler, and the story is I dragged I squealed and dragged it around the house and then I'd sit on the floor and bang on it and go, ah, <laughs> and
1: then look,
0: there was just happiness. Music was was power, joy, and strength. And for both of you to find it at such a young age is so incredible. And then, how did the two of you find each other, become a duo, become a couple? How did all that evolve?
1: We met in July of 1980. I already had six years of touring behind me in another group and a year of solo work. And Marcy was performing with a group called the Bosom Buddies String Band, an all girl string band from Lansing, Michigan. And we met at the Toronto Folk Festival. It was a festival meant to take the place of Mariposa, which it did for one year only. And we hung out in jam sessions. We were in some workshops together. We made friends. I made friends with Marcy's band. And that's really sort of where it all started. And we just stayed in touch. We visited each other. I visited her band. We did shows together. We A lot of festivals. Did. Every other weekend, we'd see each other across the country. And then eventually, by 1982, it was extremely clear that what we loved most was playing music together. And Marcy made the leap and moved from Michigan downtown to Washington, D.C., and her life has never been the same.
0: It seems to be working out so far. Um, so far, it's
2: working out. I got lucky. I found the right person for me in so many ways. And Kathy is so Talented and intelligent and big-hearted, generous,
1: I I just got lucky. I'd have been a fool to turn that down. I got lucky because I don't know a more versatile musician than Marcy, and talent is overflowing, but so is the big heart. And I'll also say that we we both got lucky because we're very compatible. I mean, you know, this 24-7 thing, is it's a lot for a lot of people, and we have... I think, sort of perfected a way of combining doing our own things, doing things together, working together, dividing and conquering the responsibilities. And lucky us. I mean, we do work at it. Luck comes when you work real hard. But There you go.
0: There you go. (laughs) I love this. I love how it all came together. And obviously, there's so many things that we could talk about. But what we want to talk about today is your musical, All Wigged Out. All We Doubt is about Marcy's journey with breast cancer. And talk to me about how getting this serious, sobering diagnosis, kind of your journey through that. You get a diagnosis, and that's a big shock. And then how does it turn into a a musical journey?
1: (laughs) You know,
2: it is a shock. It took my breath away for a bit. But Kathy and I are really natural-born teachers. We've been teaching forever. And the for me, the, the history of political change in music and working for causes, whatever that cause is, if it's for clean water or whatever, we use our music to get that point across. And Kathy had encouraged me to write down everything that I might need to tell my doctors. And so I started doing that. But right away, I started writing down the things that I really felt were important and that's mostly the things that nobody tells you and also the things that sound bizarre you know like just having a feeling that when you walk down the street you've been in so much radiation that maybe the garage doors are going to start opening <laughs> <laughs> All right. i mean cancer is like the most unnatural experience you can have yeah and also with any disease you have to really learn to be a patient you have to learn to be a caregiver and the only way to really learn those things are to go through experiences and i've i've had other health problems we've been caretakers mutually for for friends with some pretty dreadful diseases and experience really helps to line up the future it helps you to stay positive because you know that there are c- certain steps to to take but i really think of this as you know, if people haven't had a disease or if they have a friend with with a, with a problem or a friend who needs support of any kind, this can break the ice. You know, this can be their first experience.
1: And I want to say that while Marcy was going through this experience, we're very lucky because, number one, we had good health care. But number two, having been through this and helped other people through it, we knew... You know, you never know exactly what you're facing, but we knew a lot of what we were facing and what it would take to keep our heads above water. And for Marcy, her biggest artistic expression was making hilarious cartoons and posts and putting them on Facebook, which was, amongst other things, a way to let our community know how she was doing and... So many people followed these things. So many people have reached out to Marcy saying, I read every one of those, and I have some questions for you because I just got a diagnosis, that we realized there was a medicine for the soul involved in the way she approached this with good humor, as well as an incredibly positive attitude. And that's when I said, you know, you need to do a one-woman play. We need to turn this into a one-woman play. And the reason was that people were learning so much about how to be a patient and so many other things. And after writing it with our friend Andy Offit-Irwin, a phenomenal storyteller, and doing a whole bunch of screenings, we were about to do our first live performance, Marcy Solo, and COVID came along and squashed theater for a very long time. And a few months into that, I just sort of woke up one day and I went let's make a film. And in that process, we took the advice of a lot of people who'd been giving us feedback through our various different readings, and we built it into a a different story, which is still centered on Marcy's cancer, but not a one-woman show. Basically, a whole bunch of people said, Kathy, you're in the show. Whether you want to be or not, you may as well be in the show. (laughs) Including me. Marcy had been saying that from day one, and I've been saying, no, this is your story. This is your story. But it allowed us to broaden it quite a bit. And it also allowed us to bring in one of the most important pieces, which is the piece of advocacy, where a patient isn't always even physically and mentally able to advocate for themselves enough, and having either a person or people within a cancer support community involved can make such a big difference. And it changed the whole thing a lot. We had terrific help from the director, Tracy Walsh, who helped us edit the whole thing, and that's really what happened. We asked around and found these great musicians, Janet Kramer on drums and Stacy McMichael on bass, who were all in to the concept. And Marcy and I rehearsed with Tracy for three and a half weeks in Chicago, rehearsed with the band, brought the band in. Built to set in a dance studio because no theaters were open. And it was sort of, it's a complete DIY project. We crowdfunded it and had terrific support. And now it's making its way around some film festivals, some music clubs, some hospitals, cancer support networks. And our goal at this point is to see how well we, you know, see what we can do to serve people with humor, advice, advice advocacy, strength, and hope. What an incredible gift you're giving people because, you know,
0: I'm sure even for the, for you two, it's different when you get a diagnosis in your own camp versus a friend. Like we have a friend right now who's at stage four with it. And, Mm -hmm. and as horrible as that is, it's not in our house. It's not my Mm -hmm. partner nor I dealing with it. It's removed. Mm -hmm. So, What was the difference of having gone through it with friends and then actually having it, okay, this is you and I, and this is what our journey is for right now?
2: For me, the experience of getting the diagnosis myself, as opposed to having a a dear friend with the diagnosis, I had the same fear that I had for them, the exact same fear And then I knew that, I mean, people kept saying, stay positive, stay positive. But I could not stay positive unless I had a plan of action. And I had learned that from other people also. Like what really helped in our caretaking of other people was to do things with them that they enjoy, to give them any kind of power they felt like they needed, even if it was just to pick out their fork. You know, anything, big or small, or say the hospital gown's too small. Well, you know, I'll just slip in this room and get you a bigger one, or wear two, <laughs> one on the front and one on the back. We're taking our power. And that's what we learn from taking care of other people. So when it came to my own diagnosis, I knew that in order to have a positive attitude at all, I had to take care of myself and allow myself to feel as comfortable as possible, and as in charge as possible, even if the things I was in charge of were really totally small and the rest of it felt like I was being dragged through a car wash. Yeah. <laughs> with crazy, you know, soap and detergents and scrubbers and you know, all out of my control. But the things I could control, I did control.
1: And the car wash is actually a
2: scene in the film. Is it
1: really? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Well, I do have to
2: be clear. This is a musical comedy, although it's a deep, dark subject. I did watch a lot of shows on on cancer, and some of them scared me, and some of them were really informative, and they, were, they all had their pluses. But this is not a kind of a film that will leave anybody down. I think it'll encourage right. people to jump into caretaking or jump into whatever they have to do.
0: And at what point were you able to apply humor to it? It's like, was it just, okay, I lost my breath here for a couple of days? and now I'm going to find the funny? Or what was that process? Because we know humor is so healing, music is so healing, and that combination is super powerful. At what point, you already have the music, I think, in you all the time, but at what point did the humor come in this process?
2: That is such a great intuitive question. Thank you. Empathetic question. I think that when I got my diagnosis, I actually was kind of upended because I didn't have a surgeon. So I spent the first week while I was teaching at a camp, teaching to a, music to adults, I was also in all my spare time trying to find a surgeon. And once I found a surgeon, I got in there for the first time into the hospital. I met my chemo nurse. I started to relax in a way that I could start to joke around a little bit. But until I had that experience and I, I knew I had some kind of a plan, I couldn't even begin to joke around about it.
1: Yeah, I would agree that you're kind of in panic mode until you know what your game plan is, what your attack plan is. And once we had that, I can't say that you know what you're dealing with, but you actually know what you're doing tomorrow. (laughs) And you know what you're doing tomorrow to improve this situation. And... Really, from that point on, Marcy was infusing humor all the time. She took a picture of herself and turned it into a cartoon in the chemo room the first day she was in chemo, and it was hilarious. And when she started posting that, that's really when the humor came in. You know, we devised celebrations for every stage of this experience for Marcy. There was a celebration at the end of chemo. We had a big party. We had a big party at the end of radiation, which happened to coincide with her 60th birthday. We had a big party with a pink breast cancer ribbon pinata when Marcy took her last chemo pill after five years of taking those pills. And a big crowd of people banging the heck out of the pinata and out came all kinds of funny stuff. And, you know, those celebrations gave an opportunity to give Marcy a nod for what she's been through, but thank our friends for helping us. And also, I think it just continued to keep a combination of reality and levity on the same plane. Mhm.
0: And how much did that encourage you to celebrate all those milestones because we hear a lot about they'll celebrate at the end but not these milestones along the way. How how important is that for women to start men to start looking at that? Um
2: if they feel it's appropriate and if they're public with their their issues and many people can't be and I totally understand that, then what it is what it did for me early on was gave me a way to get together with friends in a way that was celebratory and nobody was looking at me like I was a sad case and they were felt sorry for me. And honestly, it just grew from there. As soon as I we had a method of of having a celebration for anything, attitudes changed. Like people, I had some wonderful friends and support team who never looked at me with sadness in their eyes you know they they just jumped in to try to help and sometimes people who are going to do that they just come out of nowhere like you don't expect them sometimes the people that you think might help you are not the ones who say the right thing and do the right thing so attitude was you know and my energy level was so low right i couldn't deal with anybody who would say like weird things to me you know it's like they're crossed off my list of people to call when I need help.
0: <laughs> you mean the ones that show up and tell you what you should be
1: doing? Like,
0: I mean, oh, oh, yeah. Try oh, this. my
1: gosh. There's a whole scene yeah. on that called Unsolicited Advice, and there's a song that goes with it written by our dear friend Kim Whiteley. And I also want to say that our very first party, was in the wig shop.
0: Oh, yeah. Was it?
1: We didn't know if Marcy would want to wear a wig, but you want to, again, that was part of the preparation. What if I do? Now's the time to plan. And so after her first chemo, we went to this local wig shop where we had met the folks helping another friend go through the same thing a few years earlier. And You know, Marcy's doctor had said, well, you might lose your hair. Some people lose their hair, and we get to the wig shop, and they quiz Marcy on what her protocol is and who the doctor is, and then they gave her a look, and they went, look, honey, you're losing all of your hair within 10 days. Let's make a plan. And, you know, again, in the film, that's part of the take your power. That's part of have a plan and also – one thing we learned is there certainly are doctors that just want to give you the straight stuff. There are other doctors that are afraid that you're going to be too afraid if you hear the straight stuff. And we're encouraging people to ask all the questions and demand, you know, demand to know what you want to know so you're prepared. It's much better to be prepared. But the women in the wig shop were. Fantastic. I mean, we brought 10 people in there. We brought donuts. We brought coffee. We all tried on every wig and hat and thing that we could. They were patient. I don't think they'd ever seen a party like that before.
0: (laughs) They're still talking about it. You know they
1: are. Well, we We go visit visit. them. Yeah, we still visit. (laughs) Because interestingly enough, Marcy only wore that wig one time but it was still in her bag of tools. It was still part of her toolkit if she ever wanted it.
2: Well, many families have this attitude. My family certainly did. You know, when the going gets tough, the marksers eat. So (laughs) when something's tough, you just take coffee and donuts. It's in the morning. You know, if it was later in the day, you might take sandwiches or bagels or something. Or gin and tonics. (laughs) uh, So uh, having a party in the wig shop was, was great. And what I realized was, there were other, when the first time I walked into that wig shop, it was with a friend. And it's a small, small place. They specialize in piece, people with cancer and alopecia, and their hair falls out for different reasons, but it's not a standard wig shop. And there were some women having fun trying on wigs. And then when it was my turn, when after I got my diagnosis, I totally understood that taking friends with you and, and having fun... You know, it just makes it easier.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And what, like to celebrate these things that would often be seen as a, oh my God, we have to go do this. You know, it's like next to picking out an urn or something for yourself. It's like turning it <laughs> into a celebration is <laughs> is so genius. And I think it probably changes the tenor, not only for you, but for everybody in your circle. I think so.
1: Well, and it also helps to, enhance the power of positive thinking. Mm -hmm. And you don't really have room to not be positive when you're going through this because enough negative stuff is happening out of your control. And I think Marcy had her down days, but she really aced using whatever control she had. And we kind of did that together as well. For me, it was like, okay, well, we're not going to be on the road. Now I finally have a time, a chance to learn how to do the quilting I want to learn how to do. And you can watch all the movies you want. I'll be in the same room quilting. You need something, I'm right there. You know, that kind of thing. I mean, you have to learn how to turn shit into Shinola sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> and well, you really did. One thing that
2: really surprised me with breast cancer... Is I did talk a little bit about being open minded about where your support comes from and just accepting people who really understand. But some of my best support was from men. And I didn't expect that since it's breast cancer. I, you know, you're right. surrounded by women at the hospital mostly, not all, uh, but the men who are there working in in uh in cancer, they're especially breast cancer, they're they're touched by their own experience with a mom or a partner or something. And that's why they went into the field. So you're meeting with a bunch of remarkable people, but generally men gave me a lot of great advice and things like, Oh, you're going to be bald in December. You're going to need a hoodie sweatshirt. I'm a bald guy. And that's what I do. It's like, (laughs) hello, thank you so much.
0: Oh, that's great. Yeah. The, the support, obviously, influenced you, and now you're giving that same support to other people who are going through it. And, as you said, it's become very well-rounded because you're not just talking to the cancer patient, you're talking to the caregiver and the family. Talk about what this musical offers everybody, like the entire unit that is experiencing is being touched by breast cancer.
2: I wasn't sure at first the impact it would have on people who were outside the breast cancer field. I did know that, This could be something that could help patients and caregivers and health professionals or anyone with a relative or friend with breast cancer. But to my surprise, after the first filming, there was a little girl sitting right in front, smiling the whole time. And I had to go over and see what she was smiling about. And I didn't know how this would play with a young person. She was 13 and she said, I have to tell you, you're telling my story this is the first year of my life. I'm, I'm celebrating the first year of my whole life going without going into the hospital because I have sickle cell.
0: Oh, my gosh. And I,
2: it just struck me so much. And then there was a, a man and woman sitting off to the side. He had his arm around her the whole time. Sometimes they were crying. Sometimes they were laughing together. And I walked over to them and he, he pulled me over and he said, I just want you to know I'm her Kathy.
1: You know, I think there's so many takeaways on so many different levels. And there is, of course, the patient takeaway. And everybody's going to have a different experience on how this impacts them. For Marcy, amongst other things, she had total neuropathy for three months. She couldn't touch an instrument. She couldn't do very much. In the film, we talk about this and we talk about her coming back from that. I really believe that the film is not a downer. It's very funny in places. And even when Marcy's being incredibly poignant, she can be incredibly funny. And at the same time, that advocacy piece is so important. It's giving us an opportunity, I think, to help a lot of cancer support communities do more outreach and offer their services. And then I think for a lot of people, it's you know, to be perfectly honest, it's also a forty-year love story, yeah. and we stick together, and we stuck together for that whole time. And now here we are, about oh, a year and a half. You know, past the last oral chemo pill, and Marcy's got some things that will be with her forever as a result of having gone through this. In terms of a little bit of neuropathy and all that kind of stuff, but but we're incredibly grateful to be able to still go out and play music, compose songs, make albums. We just finished our 50th album. And now All Wigged Out is making its way to some film festivals, to music venues, to hospitals, to cancer support communities. And if folks listening to this blog are interested in doing a screening, please uh, contact us. We're really excited. This month, October, we're doing program for the American Nurses Association. And they're screening All Wigged Out for the entire membership. And we're doing two Zoom Q&A discussions. We were at the National Women's Music Festival. For the discussion after the film, brought in someone who works at Gilda's Club in Madison, which is a cancer support community. And it was wonderful. And again, the comments after that film, so many women said, oh, I wish I had had this kind of support when I went through this. And other women said, now I know how I can better support my friends. One woman came into a room that we were hanging out in after the film and said, you know, I've never even told anybody about my experience. I went through it all by myself. And she sat down and talked about her experience for the first time. And it was the first time that she didn't feel alone having been through that. So the power is sort of both tangible and intangible, but I feel like we've hit the mark on so many different things. And, you know, I think in our centerpiece as musicians, we love playing all different kinds of music. We love playing for all different kinds of crowds, but... In the end, it's about how can we serve you? Mm -hmm. And I feel like the film All Wigged Out answers that question for this particular issue for us. Cancer
2: and disease, they're a crisis. And people don't Mm -hmm. always know how to react in a crisis because they haven't been faced with it before. If your house is on fire, people know what to do. Well, with cancer, you're house that you live in is on fire. And there there's nothing that ordinary people can do. people who are not on your health care team, but be there to support you if they have the emotional ability to look you in the face and appreciate seeing you. I find that that's I think that's why people say tend to say or some people say things that are so inappropriate because they just don't know what to say. But it's like
0: you've been hit by lightning, and the person standing there talking to you doesn't see it. Right. This there's so much that this musical does, and if you're not an organization, if you're just an average person, and you really want to see this, how can they find it?
1: Well, let's see. In the month of October, we will be in California at the Freight and Salvage Cup. It's a it's a wonderful music venue, October sixteenth, and they are not only doing in-person screening, but virtual. And the Q&A oh, nice. okay. discussion with, a, with several different cancer support communities will be part of that virtual ticket. So you can look on our website for how to get one of those virtual tickets. Unless you're in the Bay Area, please come in person and say howdy to us and, and be part of this. We'll also be in Palo Alto, I think, on the 18th of October. And outside of that... First, it's going to make a run of the film festivals and then hopefully eventually get picked up by some streaming service. So folks, if you live in a town where there's a film festival, send them a note, tell them how much you want them to get all wigged out. We've actually had many people do that in several different cities that we're going to be appearing in. And the film festivals want a crowd of people who want to see the films. Absolutely. That's helpful. And then you can get on our email list at kathymarcy.com. And then anytime there's either a screening or a virtual screening, you'll get a notice about it.
0: That's excellent. And we'll put all this on your landing page for this episode so that people can just, um, you know, if you're driving, please do not write this down. So just, uh, you'll be able to go to our landing page and they'll just be able to click on it and get right to you through there.
1: Yeah, I just want to say, we look back on this, first of all, doing making the film, doing the rehearsals, making the film, it was kind of like going through it again. Oh, I'm sure. But at the same time, we had the amazing challenge of condensing six years of experience into 58 minutes of comedy and music. And y'all don't have to go through that experience. You can just watch the film.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Sounds much easier.
2: Much easier. <laughs> in the film, all we doubt is not. People have asked me if it's cathartic. That's really not cathartic. It's exactly what we wanted to put out there in a way that we thought would be helpful and funny enough and get the
0: points across that we needed to get across and reach people. And it appears that's exactly what it's doing. Kathy and Marcy, thank you so much for sitting down. Like, I, I can talk to you for hours, but then they'll just shut us off. And, <laughs> and, and, but thank you. I, you have so much to share with us. And this is such an inspirational story. And I'm really happy that you were able to take some time with me today.
1: Well, this has been a pleasure. And we really appreciate you featuring All Wicked Out. Yeah, thank you so much. That was Kathy Fink
0: and Marcy Markser talking about their new musical, All Wigged Out. If you'd like to learn more about the film and where you can see it, follow Kathy and Marcy on social media or discover their music, just visit livehappy.com and click on the On a Positive Note podcast link. And during the month of October, we wear pink here at Live Happy, and you can too. Show your support for Breast Cancer Warriors by visiting our online store to check out our pink breast cancer awareness smiling mop top pens. They're waiting for you at store.livehappy.com. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of On a Positive Note and look forward to joining you again next time. And until then, this is Paula Phelps reminding you to make every day a happy one.